The Great Dive Podcast is hosted by your buddies, James and Brando. Okay, so hey, welcome back to the Great Dive Podcast with good old Jamesy. And just average old Brando here. Good old, what is this? Good old Jamesy. We got to work on our intros, I think. Not that they're horrible. No, no, no. I just, you know, I, I would like Ed McMahon. Here's, you know, I like, we, we, it's we, classic. It's classic. Not many people have, uh, we can, able to no, we need to do is we need to find somebody famous and ask them to record one. Well, that's, of course. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to the Great Dive Podcast with James and Brando. And it's, or a good impersonator. Like, uh, or a good impersonator. Christopher Walken introducing us. If we could get that done good. What, what about if we had like Jacques Cousteau? James. <laughs> if we had a Jacques right. Cousteau impersonator. Do one. What if somebody who's famous but famous in the, the scuba divers. world too? Bill Murray with Zisu. I mean, he put his imprint on the scuba world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. There are famous people, but they're not known for their character voices, you know. They're right, there. right. So it's it's except for, you know, Jacques can be Jacques can be identified. The people wouldn't voice. maybe necessarily know him. That's why I'm the, saying the young Christopher kids Walken. Nowadays. Christopher Walken is expands across his generation. Podcast listening, young kids aren't going to know anything that oh, we put up anyways. The Walken spans. Now, what about crosses generations easily? He has a background in dancing. Did you know that? I would believe it. Did you also know that he was one of the three people on the boat with uh, Natalie Wood, including Natalie Wood? No, he was with Robert Wagner and Natalie Wood. Oh yeah, when she drowned. Really. You didn't know all this, did you? It, it wasn't on my radar. And his real name isn't Christopher. As a matter of fact, his family doesn't call him Christopher. His name's Ronnie. Ronnie. Ronald. Ronald. But a girl, okay. the, the leading choreographer of a dance dancing show he was in, said the girl, the woman said, I don't like Ronald. I'm going to call you Christopher. And there you go. There you go. There's the story behind the, the name. I'm not done yet. There's I, no, more, no, no, no. There's you, more you walking. Me. You lost me at. Did you know I he was a dancer? He is. He's a like a world-renowned dancer. Juilliard. He's world-renowned. I mean, people go if you could dance like walking. Okay, so let's interrupt. I'm not done. <laughs> let's interrupt, but, Christopher Walken. But just with all the so with all the 
hoopla that's going on right now with this story that that just came out over the weekend. Story of this one in Scuba Diving Magazine? Yeah. I think it's older, isn't it? No, it's from February 2nd. Oh, that's so when the, on the, the writing date was or the posting date? The, the publishing date from oh, the article. From the magazine, okay. I was trying to find it. So it just it. came out, so that's why it's all over the place. Yeah. A bunch of people saw it, and then they're looking at this story going, wait a minute. Yeah. And then when you look at the good old book post, there's you know already 100 comments on it. Okay, so, so originally we were going to start going through this Dan annual report, but this goddamn am- annual report. <laughs> but you sent me this article, <laughs> and I started reading through it, and it it's kind of fitting for right now. So let's let's jump into this article written in uh, recently in Scuba Diving Magazine by an Eric Douglas. It's a training article. He's one of the Eric Douglases. He's an Ann Eric Douglas. Yes. No, <laughs> you didn't have to say. A allegedly written by, allegedly penned by an Eric Douglas. So this article is entitled <laughs> "A Wreck Dive Costs This Unprepared Instructor His Life." Dun-dun! So it's a it's an intense article, kind of highlighting a a renegade, renegade, nice renegade instructor out breaking the rules. Testing his limits, he's, he's probably that. He's probably new. He's probably that new instructor that's got 160, 180 dives. 160 dives, new instructor. Oh yeah, and uh, that, thinks thinks that he's ready to take on the world. Like yeah. that's the kind of guy that they're painting, right? I think so. I think you know it points to a a phenomenon that when you get that card, the uh, confidence that's injected into you from that little card can lead you to do things that maybe aren't the brightest right you know, and, but and, maybe, and maybe they're trying to and maybe they're people. trying to paint that picture with this you know the the caption of the the story is being unprepared for wreck penetration spells disaster for a show-off dive instructor yeah so the instructor now they may or may not have embellished his name Leon, <laughs> oh Leon, you don't you don't meet too many Leons nowadays. Well, let me. I, ask. I don't know the last time I met a Leon. Really? So the story starts off about Leon, who loved the excitement of the dive. He loved going places no one else had ever gone or had the nerve to try. He was confident in his own abilities and was never afraid of a challenge or a risk. As he slipped through the small opening of the wreck, he was rewarded with the view of the engine room. Leon was sure he was the first person to see it since the ship went down. The hatch to this part of the ship had been welded shut to keep divers out, but the weld had recently broken, and he hadn't thought twice about prying it open. Let's contrast the description of Leon's personality, if you want to call it personality or persona, and let's contrast that to, say, a guy who truly would explore new places like Sheck Exley. Yeah, okay, cool. Okay, so you've yep, got... I dig it, I dig it. You've got old Leon, who wasn't afraid 
to to push his limits and go places nobody else. This is quoted from the story, so it's not. I'm not going to embellish it or exaggerate it. He wasn't afraid to go to new places or go places other divers were afraid to go. I think uh, old Sheck was that same way. But I think the biggest difference there is Sheck's ego, at least from the stories written about him and the people that knew him, he is not a chest-thumping, overconfident people. He approaches it with some—he's not doing it—in other words, he's not doing it to to get back up on the boat and go, you know, beat your chest and say, did you see that? Right, right. He didn't have a line with him to guide his way back out, but he wasn't worried about it. He knew he could find his way. He would be in there for only a minute. He was sure the newbie diver with him was going to remember this experience for the rest of his life. So this is painting a picture of this instructor who is like, you know, many instructors that you see out there. You know, I would say new instructors, you know, somebody getting in that doesn't even have 200 dives under their belt, but all of a sudden they want to become an instructor. Young, adventurous, excited. I get it a little bit. They, they need to kind of put their put their mark on the map they feel, you know, to, to show that they've got, you know, the, the what do you, what cojones, you say? The cojones, the, the determination, the vigor, the strength, the, the machismo to get out and do these great dives to, you know, rather than, rather than doing a lot of dives well, they want to do something big and dramatic and often foolish. Well, they want to do a daredevil, life-threatening dive. I mean, that's... Uh... Well, I mean, is that's that, their ego talking. Yeah, that, that is them wanting to be, you know, applauded for how daring they are when they, when you get back on the boat. And I know, speaking the way I view divers, I have much admiration for people that go into new places and explore places that other people haven't. But I have admiration for people that do it with some brains. They have experience. They they learn from others' mistakes. They don't just jump in and and say well i'm going to go into that shipwreck i'm going to open a door that's welded shut and go inside of it right they realize that it's a it's a high risk environment and they take the appropriate tools and mm-hmm. planning with them to do it correctly yeah you do it with an ounce of sense and uh purpose and knowing that well i do it right i'm going to come back and be able to do it again well maybe Maybe we can learn something about this Maybe. when we when we when we find out who this guy is. So let, let's yeah. let's see who let's this. Find out who he is. So Leon was a dive instructor. He enjoyed teaching others to dive and experience the underwater world. He got a bigger thrill from making dives that no one else made or in his mind could make. He was known for taking chances and making high risk dives, including deep solo dives. Leon was forty two years old. A long-time heavy smoker and overweight. Perfect. I'd like to say I've He's never got... met Leon, but I think I've met him about, I don't know, maybe 50 times. Every time I go to the school, yeah. <laughs> Leon him. comes and introduces himself to me. <laughs> I, can't, I can't count the number of times I've had someone, you know, suiting up, kidding up next to me. And within a few minutes, I know their deepest dive they've ever done and, you know. Just stuff like that. I'm going. Wait a minute. Well, the the, the braggart, I'm not even talking to you. There's a the the braggart instructor is definitely who they're painting this yeah. picture of with, with Leon. But it's not. You know, it's, and he's, it's not restricted to instructors. Is what I'm I'm kind of getting at. Is just regular divers have the same. In other words, this seems to be a common characteristic of a lot of folks in diving. 
And I'm sure it's in other activities as well. But this, look at what I'm doing. You can't do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, it very much is. The um, it, it and it's a it's a holdover of people who were doing stuff like that twenty years ago, thirty. I actually say thir- twenty, yeah. forty, or fifty years ago when diving was really new and established. Practices right, but what I mean in like, like like the twenty years ago that those guys became instructors and they talk about how. Yeah. How they kind of earn their wings and then like these new kids that are going through it have a feeling of, well, that's how you, that's how you become a great diver is you do stupid by, shit by doing stupid <laughs> shit and living. Yes. You do stupid shit and live and it weeds out the, the weaker uh, divers supposedly. I wouldn't say that. And it, it well, because that, cause that makes, better, you know, well, weaker. that, that makes people who are going to do a dive to, you know, 200 feet or do a dive like they do doing this to, 130 feet for an extended amount of time that do it with logic and planning mm-hmm. and a, a team in the water yeah. preparation um, that Train. makes them look like they're just as foolish for doing that type of a dive. Exactly. So you, so you get this overwhelming majority of divers who just want to go to 30, 40 feet, mm-hmm. and maybe 80 on an occasion, and uh, you know follow the dive master around and look at cool walls and fishies. It, to them, it looks like everybody that's doing a dive in that depth or in that realm is got the same sort of uh, mentality going into the game. Can't say that enough there, brother. That's the main impetus behind pointing this stuff out and even speaking of it. Normally, I'd say, well, I'm sorry this guy passed away. You know, my condolences. But when you hear what's going on and the mentality and the approach to a dive like this, you're going... Dude, you're not you're not selling diving to anybody now. You're you're making us all that actually do dives, long dives or deep dives or overhead dives. You're making us all look like jackasses to a certain extent. I mean, we're not all like that. Right. Let's look at this dive. So Leon joined a group of divers from his local dive shop on a boat for the day. He was alone and was fine with that, but he volunteered to lead a diver on the wreck dive for his advanced open water certification. Leon wasn't the student's instructor, but he was willing to help. He knew he could give the student a better experience than he would get diving with the group. So there's a lot of things being said right now that are like from the mind of Leon, which I guess in an in an accident report, you're not going to get this uh, uh, opinionated, you know, supposition. Like, we believe this is what Leon was thinking which is immaterial, kind of the story. The only thing it's for is to add some drama and maybe emphasize the point like, Leon is, has an ego issue here. Leon wears his instructor patch on his shoulder and probably has that jacket. Sure, but I mean, how many times do you know of these uh, instructors out there who are going to, hey, I'll get, you a, I'll get you an advanced certification. Just come with, dive with me. Yeah. Just swimming in the water with me. You're gonna learn so much. <laughs> yes, you just know, watch you, you, me. Just watch me, right? And you see it all the time. Is you know, uh, you know, a smaller independent instructor who is gonna just give somebody their advanced. You know, I, I hear it all the time. Of, well, what'd you do on your advanced? I see that, but usually more out of not independent, but shop instructors. Well, yeah, but. At least, <laughs> Okay, but, yeah. but I mean, so the shop is at least going to have, whether you think it's bullshit or not, what they do, right? What'd you do on your, your deep dive? Well, you know, I swam around with the instructor. He made me uh, look at a color chart yeah. to see if I could mm-hmm. see the red anymore. Mm-hmm. Do some okay. problems. Do, do you mm-hmm. think you're a qualified deep diver now because well, you did course. that? Of course not. 
Of course ver- I am. Ver- versus, versus there's some instructors that just because you swam with me in 80 right. feet of water, you yeah. did the dive. Yeah. Right? Because, hey. I hear you. But listen, how much did you pay for that advance? Well, you got it for free. So, well, for yeah, free. I got my card for free. You just had to pay for a card. Yeah. You get that get bullshit you all the time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I didn't want to, uh, like, slight the independent instructors. Which is exactly what I just did. I know. Because <laughs> I think it happens either way. I don't know. Now, let me, let me ask you this. A factor. Now, a lot of this could also be that a lot of these agencies on the advanced, the instructor doesn't even have to be in the water with them. <laughs> the instructor doesn't even have to be in the water with you. <laughs> so so is, he, is he doing the, the student actually an advantage on this, saying, well, you know, the instructor is going to sit on the boat while you go do your deep dive? Or while, you're gonna, the, while you'd go do your wreck dive, and as long as you come up and show him that you drew a picture of the outside of the wreck, he's going to pass you. I'm going to show you some cool stuff. Yeah, I was going to say, I know the deep dive, you have to have the instructor present with you every step of the way. But um, I can't speak for all the agencies. I, I, I can't imagine any agency would say, oh, that one, that one right there, you can observe the bubbles from the surface and take a look at his depth gauge when he comes back up. The wreck itself rested in 130 feet of seawater at the bottom. Visibility wasn't great on the bottom that day. They couldn't see more than 20 feet in any direction. The reduced visibility filtered out much of the sunlight from above, making it dark and gloomy even outside of the shipwreck. Leon had dived the the site many times, so he led the student to where he wanted to go. He knew the welds on the hatch leading to the engine room had rusted loose, and he wanted to see it for himself. They entered the restricted area 105 feet below the surface. So they're in a they're in a training class, right? They said these in an open mm-hmm. water, and they're in 105 to 130 feet, which is a little bit deeper than the prescribed depth limitation oh, this, for. Is a, this for an, an open water class or advanced? No, it says it's an advanced. They said the, yeah. they said the guy's doing an advanced. advanced but, right. but, so yeah. let me ask you this: so, so he's doing his advanced. Mm-hmm. But he's going to go diving with Leon, who's just some other instructor, not his instructor, because Leon's going to give him a a better dive. Yeah, well, in Leon's mind, he's going to give him a better dive. So where's the guy's real instructor? Yeah, that's what I'm I'm curious about. Maybe they made arrangements prior. Maybe he's sitting on the boat. I have no idea. I mean, but, I mean, you bring up good points. If you're the instructor, especially this is me personally speaking, I'm not going to, A, the student's paying for me to teach them what I know. That's how I always look at all of my instruction. You know, even when I would do, like, uh, family, friends, they would do the open water course with the electronic stuff, which you don't really have to do any lecture or, you know, you do a little poolside, right? But I don't think I'm giving the student much value if I say, yeah, just listen to what they say and I'll watch you underwater, which... Again, in my humble opinion, the ultimate goal of all this stuff is there's no instructors. The agencies would take the instruct the middleman who's taking a little chunk of change from from the agency, and just remove them, whatever it is, take that middleman out of there because there's too much variable with the with the instructor. I mean, we've yeah. seen this go on for for many years. Anyway, the thing I'm getting at is why would you, as an instructor, let another instructor teach a class unless you couldn't make it and the, the guy really needed the class done. Yeah, that we don't know. Yeah. Do you so not visibil- feel that way with the instructorship? I mean, looking at it oh, where you, no, it was. You, no, I'm just trying to stay on track Yeah, of, I know. Of, of the, dive, the dive portion. We can I get, like to we make a little get... commentary on instructorship. Oh, 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 I know you do. We're, we're going to get back to that. Oh, here we go. 
So the, I'll forget. In the you dive. know I'll forget. <laughs> that's that's what you're hoping <laughs> for. <laughs> may or may not be the case. So they mentioned that the visibility wasn't great on the bottom that day. They couldn't see more than 20 feet in any direction. I mean, 20 feet of visibility. Well, for us. Isn't bad. We're used to diving monkey lakes and whatnot. But yeah, yeah I mean, not bad, not great. Well, when, you, when you've built your ability to preserve the bottom, preserve the conditions in poor conditions of less than five feet of visibility sometimes and still be able to complete a planned dive goal and keep a, a team of divers together in the water without getting separated and lost in five feet of visibility. You look at doing a dive in 20 feet. Yeah. It's as, a gift. As, as nearly it's luxurious. A from sometimes. the gods, yeah, yeah. the visibility gods have given us this, these 10 commandments, these five commandments. The accident. While Leon and the student explored the ship's engine room, the student realized he was running low on air. Just as he was about to alert Leon that he needed to head to the surface, Leon's light flooded and went out. It was the only light they had between them. Afterward, the student reported they were 74 minutes into the dive at this point. Okay, so I guess this is where the beginning of the big contention with the veracity of the story, you know, begins or starts or is. With this it, 74 not, minutes at 100 feet in yeah, a single it, tank. It, it sounds like a stretch. Well, we... Do we yeah. know that he was on wasn't on doubles? I, I don't know that. Well, but, but here's what we do know. He's an advanced open water student, and Probably I, not I'm ninety percent sure they. I thought the story said he was on a single single bottle. Well, let me ask you this: even if he were on twins, you're taking an advanced open water class. Okay, so seventy four minutes in a hundred feet of water, four atoms of water. Well, you can do quick in your head calculation, knowing that you know a very good breather will breathe half a cubic foot per minute. Basically laying on the bottom, not not doing doing anything. anything. Right. That's like a deco, what we would use for a decompression gas usage calculation. In other words, you're just sitting there and you're just breathing. So half a cubic foot per minute on the surface, that's a a surface air consumption rate, a sack rate. Right. And if they're in 130, yeah, the 130 feet, maybe some of the time in five atoms, but... We'll just say four to be conservative. So that's two cute, four times 0.5 comes to two cubic feet per minute. And he's there for 74 minutes. That's almost 150 cubic feet at that point. I don't know what kind of bottle you got. I mean, you'd have to have a 200 cubic foot bottle. So you'd have to be in twin 100s. Right. You, twin 80s, twin 100s, twin 104s, whatever. To even be able to make this possible. Yeah, and that's and what you're saying. Exactly. You don't think this is possible. Well, if not if they're in a single tank. That's where you're going. Anybody who's, and, and I think people will echo this, but anybody who's been diving and looks at stories and, like, I look at a dive and immediately my gas calculations are going. And that just comes from habit, right? You'd look at this and go, uh, this dive is, is not even possible here. Well, now look at this. So they could barely see anything in the gloom and darkness. But Leon squeezed through a small opening ahead of them. The student decided not to follow him and found his way back out of the wreck, eventually making it to the surface. So it sounds to me like the the student's already a bit spooked. Well, yeah. A little nervous, a little scared. So that 0.5 consumption rate, I'm thinking, is not a valid level it's going to be up and above that we were trying to give the benefit of the doubt to the story and there's no there's just no way it just doesn't happen considering the divers missed decompression obligation he was taken to a local hyperbaric unit for evaluation he began to develop symptoms of decompression illness 
and was treated with a single standard U.S. Navy treatment table Table six. six, His symptoms resolved during the treatment and he was released. Leon never returned to the surface. A recovery team found his body entangled in pipes in the ship's boiler room the next day. He was carrying additional air tanks, but they were all empty. After an autopsy, the death was ruled a drowning, secondary to running out of air. So he had additional bottles. So now they're so now they're bringing so now he's bringing that information to it that oh he did have extra bottles. With the him. instructor did. There's just when you read that immediately, so many flags go up with regard to an accident snowball just beginning. The well, absolutely entering yeah. an overhead, being at that depth for that time already. I mean, you, if going you're in 74 into, minutes into, and you're going uh, in, come going on. into excessive decompression in a in a recreational, in a recreational NDL class. Oh my gosh, yeah. So let's read through the analysis of this dive by the author. Mentions that dive instructors have a higher duty than the average diver. Instructors should always dive responsibly, even on fun dives. People are watching. This is especially true when leading students even informally. The student knew Leon was an instructor and probably felt comfortable on the dive, believing Leon would be responsible for him. It makes it somewhat ironic that the student is the one to survive this incident, but he finally exhibited good judgment and returned to the surface. Regardless of the situation, every dive is limited by the least trained or least experienced diver. If the more experienced divers in the group cannot accept that, they need to reorganize the group. Good words to to live by, words of wisdom. Uh, I just remembered what I wanted to say about that. The light, remember it says the light imploded? Yeah. And that goes to what we always say when we train divers is, A, you can never dive alone. Not permissible-wise. I mean, it's impossible because there's a guy called Murphy with you. And Murphy's Law says Murphy's going to appear when you least want them to. So when does this light decide to implode? When they're at the you when know, you're on the safety stop, <laughs> no, no, it's not going to do that. We're going to wait till you're inside of a wreck that you know you had to pry open the rusted, broken, welded door and went in with an instructor. That's when you're you know with a student. I should say you're the instructor with light. You are going to have that happen at the worst, most inopportune time. So and that's what happens, and that's Murphy's law. We teach that way. I have that mentality. Yeah, when there's, I, and, I and there's the, so there's no doubt about this Leon guy screwed up there right one where does this come from Jason? one having only one light yeah himself well, let well, alone one light between two people exactly but where does this idea of old murphy always being there where does this come from i'm addressing the 160 dive instructor okay because he doesn't it? have the experience exactly. of of real dives you know uh, things st- go wrong things happen and things going wrong yeah exactly yeah and you got to get the experience in conditions that are not inside of a shipwreck and learning the hard way, meaning costing your life. You have to get experience on regular dives. Go on little weenie, what I call weenie dives, you know, 40, 50 feet, whatever, for 30 minutes in the mud hole that you live nearby, that you can surface anytime you want, anywhere you want. There's no, you know, no chance of being lost at sea. There's no overhead environment. You run into a problem, worst case scenarios, you have to go up slowly, do a safety stop, and you live when things go wrong versus you're inside of a wreck. You've never, either you, you've never had a light failure and know the ramifications when you're on a penetration or... Well, the, see, well, I mean, that's experience biting, exactly. biting the ass right there is, is the, the assumption that going into an environment mm-hmm. where you need light 
that that lights the only light that you have is going to work yeah 100% mm-hmm. of the time right anybody who has any experience or real training in that environment would know that you would never make that assumption right and that's what i that's what i mean so obviously you know leon must have been i, I know it says he's 42 but maybe he became an instructor later in life i don't know yeah this it sounds like the mind of a 22 year old yes thank you and that last paragraph all good points I thought. I mean, that's exactly right. You always limit your your diving, the the caliber of the dive or the degree of difficulty of the dive to the least common denominator. I'm not going to take an open water student into a cave. A, I'm not a cave instructor, but B, it's just stupid. If something happens to you, you don't know what could happen to you. Correct. I mean, that would be like you, me, and uh, a new diver a friend. Named, a dog named Boo. No, no. So, so you, so you and I are going to go do a dive down at Orange Grove, and whatever. My wife's going to come with us, you know, because she's down there in Florida mm-hmm. with us, and we're just going to swim around that real pretty little uh, basin there, mm-hmm. right at Orange Basin's Grove. Fine, yeah. And then we're like, "Hey, you'll be fine. Let's let's <laughs> let's uh, let's go in. Yeah. Let's go in." Because this is where do you see, you know, the the this this passage, you know. Uh, Look right, at this right, rock over here because yeah, it's really oh, cool. Oh, we're going to get down to 80 feet. This little <laughs> passage is cool. And as you go back, you know, the, yeah. there's the, there's the sign, you know. You know you where, put uh, in that little, little oval, uh, the oval window there that is a cool frame. Yeah, People yeah. Like there, stick yeah, right. Yeah, just come come over here. You'll be, be fine. Awesome. You're with us. You're mm-hmm. with us. Everything will be A-OK. And then, well, let's take a little turn over here. And it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. You that, get that, separated. Your lights implode, whatever. The, the ridiculousness that goes on when Murphy appears is, is not, it's not planned for, you know, or it should be planned for, but it's usually not. That's called a trust me dive, right? The old trust me dives. And, and they do it, I mean, it's common practice in certain places, especially from what I understand. And I've never gone under trust me dives. Well, it's, com- the cenotes. it's, com- it's commonplace for the uninitiated. You don't know what you don't know. Yeah, and any any instructor worth his weight would and should be highly opposed to that trust me dive. Oh yeah, especially at that level. Yeah, of course. When you see that stuff going on, especially in tourist places, places, there's just so many. There's so many places that it could go bad. Right. From there's a the huge instructor difference. doesn't know the student. The student doesn't know the instructor. The levels of diving, their competency, their comfort. The equipment and, they have with them, yeah, or should I say the equipment they, they don't, don't have, have with them. Mm-hmm. There's a huge difference between a trust me dive and a mentoring someone to get them to go to the next level. Yeah, right. And I'm only certified to 100 feet. Well, you know, as we start pushing past, this is the right gear you need to have, and mm-hmm. you know, you can do this. Watch, we can do this. This is what you need, and easing or um mentoring them into that next level of their certification is a way different thing than taking them there mm-hmm. unprepared without the any knowledge without any equipment that they that they need and just saying hey you'll Follow be with me, me. everything's going to be fine this time we're good yeah you'll be with me until i pass out because i had a, a mini stroke Right, yeah. You don't know this guy's health history. I mean, just silly things like that. I mean, the first first time I was in 200 feet, you know, the the, the mentor I was with looks at his freaking uh, <laughs> computer completely blank. Nice, yeah. His face or the computer? <laughs> <That was good. laughs> Both. He was like, oh, shit. Uh, what do we do? It's oh, time well. to go up. 
I like, see you well, take training and luckily, you know what yeah, to do. Yeah, so luckily, like, we were prepared to take over that part of the dive. You never rely on electronics underwater anyway. To, on I a mean, trust me dive, you do? Uh, yes, because you have no idea. You don't know what you don't know. You don't know all the things that could go wrong. Nor do you know how to handle them by yourself should, should your old guide decide to take a dump on you. And me working as a paramedic and seeing the general public and knowing this happens, people just fall out. And what I mean by that, they just lose it. Boom. Whether yeah. they, they lose it completely and go completely unconscious or they have, you know, mental things happen. All right. So let's talk about some numbers on this dive. To begin with, we know that the two divers had been underwater for 74 minutes at a depth of more than 100 feet of seawater. According to the U.S. Navy dive tables, the no decompression limit for that depth is 20 minutes. They had surfaced immediately. Had they surfaced immediately, they would have still required nearly 75 minutes of decompression time. So this is saying that they're diving air, not nitrox of any mix. Mm -hmm. Those are the assumptions, right? Yeah. The advantage of using a dive computer that recalculates depth and time could have reduced that decompression burden somewhat. However, divers on a wreck dive tend to have a square dive profile. They descend to a depth and stay there for most of the dive before returning straight to the surface. They usually do not perform multi-level dives. Leon had additional tanks with him, but the student with him didn't have a reserve air supply. They were not prepared for a series of decompression stops. I think right there speaks towards what kind of bottles they had. Well, and it's, it's, no reserve, I'm saying that's a single bottle, whether it's an 80 or 100. Correct. Or so even a 120, student, you don't have enough gas. The student's definitely on a single, yeah. which makes me not believe that he could pull off 74 minutes on this dive. It, I think that's exactly. embellished. Yeah, I call shenanigans. I call bullshit. <laughs> now, if, I mean, if Leon had a tank, a reserve tank, they're probably saying that he's carrying some sort of a pony bottle or a a slung bottle that he's using as a pony bottle that he's going to go to for reserve air at the end. If I had to characterize Leon based on the information given, his yearning to push the limits and all this stuff, just the mentality and the approach tells me he's probably slung a little like 30 cubic foot pony bottle on, or he's got it strapped to his back somewhere, and that's his reserve air supply. I don't believe Leon is in twins, because usually when you get into twins, you've had training to get into twins, and the beginning of that training, yeah, a a good portion of that training is, I like to say, it's the slapping in your face, get your head out of your ass, you're going to do serious diving, and you're going to learn to do it right. So, you know, throw that, I'm Lloyd Bridges uh, idea out of your head. Or he, or he's got that mentality like a lot of people do and have over the years of slap on some doubles because I can double my time and get <laughs> exactly. all this extra gas. If one where, regulator's good, four are better. Where, whereas in reality, slapping on those doubles is way more than just more gas. Yeah. It's more resources, There's but there's also more failures. There's more understanding that you should have that goes mm-hmm. along with to how to really apply and What's there, going on behind there's you? There's really more opportunity to really just fuck yourself bad when you oh, don't yeah. realize you're I've underwater for uh, at a hundred feet for seventy-four minutes, and the decompression obligation that's required. This regular keeps giving me air. <laughs> I could stay here forever. Second, to make a wreck penetration, both divers should have been carrying at least two lights, one primary and a backup. When any primary light fails, it is time to abort the dive. The backup is used to find your way back out of the wreck. Not to explore deeper. In rare cases, both lights have failed during a dive. That's why you carry a second backup. Cave divers know this. There's always three lights. Third, to penetrate a wreck, cave, or any overhead environment, the divers should have secured a line to the outside of the wreck 
and reeled it as they moved inside. Once they reached the end of the line on the reel, they would have to simply turn around and reel the line back to find their way out, even if they didn't have working lights. This is the underwater equivalent of leaving breadcrumbs. Leon was known for taking risks on dives. In this case, it led to his death. In the process, he nearly took the life of another diver with him. Now, I'm going to say that um, once they reached the end of the line, they would have to simply turn around and reel the line back in. <laughs> it's, now, that the use, it's, it's that easy. It's that easy. word simply, <laughs> yeah. right, is what yeah. I think puts a lot of people unaware mm-hmm. into an environment they have no business being, right? They, they want to do a wreck dive, so they go to the local dive shop, and they buy a reel. They buy this. I, I want to be as safe as possible, so I better get the big one. <laughs> I better get the bright one. I, this one's got a giant, giant clip. Yeah. You know, and it's got lots riveted, of moving gizmos. into the gizmos and This has got and a springs on it, spring contraption, yes. so that I can lock and snap. Because I want it to be as simple as possible to reel back out. What we just described in the word "simple" should not be put in the uh, same story sentence. Uh, and and simply simple is good, but and simply it's not simple. and simply losing all your lights and turning around and just reeling your way out is is not even is so far removed from reality. It, it's just that's not the way it happens. And people that go through the proper training, you understand. Just a reel using a reel. If you ever do take a cave or a good rec class, you're going to do topside work with the reel you're not going to go in the water and start using line because using line takes a modicum of skill and experience so you learn on the surface first because once it starts going all over the place which it does right james oh it, yeah yeah it goes everywhere uh, we uh, didn't uh, we learned that from jacques volcluse yeah. dive last oh, yeah. week yeah it you need to and, have and let a, me say that you know people think that well i don't have the greatest buoyancy i don't have the greatest kick Things get stirred up. That's why I'm going to take a reel Mm -hmm. so that I can get back out. But you're going to realize with that is where the good buoyancy and the good kick and the (laughs) not straight things up becomes absolutely (laughs) exponentially more important. The reel isn't the save all. Right. The save all is your skills. You nailed it right on the head. That is, it's that mentality that I can fix a skill problem with a piece of equipment or I just have to go buy the gear because that's what they're using. They don't look like they're doing anything different than I do as my in my open water or my advanced class. I can go in those environments where, in reality, the training that has been put in and the knowledge and skills are exponentially far exceeds exceed, the, the yes. far exceeds the the reel that he's got in his hand. Thank you. It far exceeds the top of the line regulator mm-hmm. on the tank and the twin bottles yeah. and and the fins or whatever. There's a whole lot going on there that's underneath that surface layer. So the author closes out by saying it's easy to let confidence and experience outweigh good judgment and training underwater. There are no underwater police and no one is going to write you a ticket for violating diving rules. However, those rules have been established for a good reason. 100 feet underwater can be a very unforgiving place. So they wrap up with talking about four lessons for life out of this little dive here. These 10 lessons. These that, four lessons for life. Remember last week when you said that joke never gets old? No, it does not, does it? I, I'm thinking it's, 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 it's coming towards the finish line. Number one, dive instructors should exhibit role model behavior at all times. Remember, others are watching you. 
And yeah. I think I think that's a that's a burden that should go on all divers. If you're out there doing ridiculous things, for some reason people are that way. It's a mob mentality. It's a psychology of a human being. Well, I want to do that ridiculous thing. Well, because that person, that braggart, generally. Yeah portrays an attitude that, that they have experience and they know what they're doing mm-hmm. right it's one thing to to be messy and goof up and do dumb things and do silly mm-hmm. things but be the dumb silly new guy that doesn't know what's going on and is learning mm-hmm. versus being somebody who's portraying that they have experience and knowledge and doing dangerous things yeah. for other people to look at and and see you as a mentor or some kind of authority on it yeah right. exactly number two Seek training from a reputable instructor for new environments and diving situations. If you don't feel comfortable with the situation, speak up. But the problem here is this student did feel comfortable and and bought into Leon's machismo mm-hmm. and thought everything was going to be all hunky-dory. And follow, confidence and follow sells, along. Yeah, it Confidence does, yeah. sells. And you do need a good amount of confidence, but it needs to be balanced with uh, caution and, and somebody who approaches things smartly. And for a new for a new student, right? Leon was an instructor, and you know was, that you know, badge means and, something and, to the yeah, new people. But yeah, but and on the, and on that boat was talked into the fact that hey, uh, this guy's gonna show me a great dive, and everybody let him do it. I mean, it wasn't a dive. I mean, I seriously, that was a dive boat with mm-hmm. a boat captain, Leon, and this student. Mm-hmm. I mean, this sounds like it was a yeah, a regular a regular charter boat. Charter boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's probably and, a and cattle there was type another yeah. there was another class on there, and they said, yeah, go ahead, do your dive with Leon. Mm-hmm. You know, so I can see this as from the student's perspective, I'm doing the right thing. I'm with an instructor. I'm with an instructor. Now, this is it's he's a reputable guy. Let me ask you this: Now, when someone tells you that they're an instructor, how do you view them now? Do you view them any differently? Like, hey, I, I'm an instructor. It's all right. I'm an instructor. Hey, I I view them with some caution. I go, well, what what kind of instructor are we here? Are we the overconfident? 160 dives. See, again, that's where I have this opinion on instructors going into a dive class to become an instructor in in IDC. And they go into the instructor development course with 100, the minimum, the bare minimum of dives. Right. All you need is 100 100 dives to be an instructor. It doesn't benefit anybody except the agency when you go into that instructor course with 100 dives. It benefits nobody. It definitely doesn't benefit the students. And yeah, what, I mean, what are you going to what are you going to give the student? Right. Oh, you can show them how to clear their mask on their knees on the bottom of the pool tool. <laughs> yeah. Well, congratulations. <laughs> exactly. Get in line with the rest of these people. Why do they have that that standard so low? There's only one reason for that. One reason, and it's it's green, and that benefits the stockholders of the agencies. That's it. Doesn't benefit Doesn't, any any diver yeah. that's looking to learn how to enjoy the underwater world whatsoever. Bingo, exactly. By making it so easy to become an instructor, you've cheapened the instructorship. You've brought in instructors like Leon. Okay? You've, you've made a ton of money along the way. Oh, yeah. But, but you've you've ruined it for generations of divers in the long run. Exactly. You've hurt the industry in the long run. And I, I should use that word industry lightly. You've hurt our art, the, the thing we love in the long run. You've might, you might have helped the industry by injecting some money into it. But you've injected more into your pocketbooks, you clowns. That's what it gets me, me just like worked up. I, I can see that vein Sorry. throbbing Ooh. in your forehead right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, they've taken something that you love and they, f- through their greed, they've destroyed a certain level of uh, authenticity and you know joy in it. And to a certain extent, in my mind, I hold them slightly responsible for this kind of shit. 
because that wouldn't happen if you had an instructor who had 500 dives. You know, I think he'd have the wisdom and maybe a little uh, maturity to know I'm not taking I'm not taking a new diver into a shipwreck on a single tank at 100 feet like a clown move would do. Right. Yeah. And four. <laughs> and I promised I myself. You, I, I promised I, myself every time I, I get you behind this microphone. I hope, you, I hope you didn't blow your wand because we got one more to go through. <laughs> you know, don't. Don't explode. People are getting the wrong idea by <laughs> Four, plan your dive based on your training and equipment. Do not attempt to make a decompression dive using no decompression dive equipment. You will need additional air supplies for the decompression stops. So you mean by no decompression type of equipment, you don't mean no decompression. <laughs> you mean no decompression type equipment, which is recreational scuba gear, recreational right? Scuba you don't gear. use recreational scuba gear to pull off a decompression dive. No, They're like doing a decompression dive and taking your computer one minute into decompression. Again, two totally different things. Yes, accidentally you blowing know, the, the NDL limit by a minute or two. Yeah, going down to 100 feet or more and wanting to do and spend some time. You know, one of the first things that's going through your mind is how much decompression gas am I going to carry? And that's going to set the basis for how long I get to stay on the bottom. It's not go down, stay on the bottom, realize I got to do decompression and cross my fingers and hope I got enough gas yeah. to stay there. Ah, they can always fly me to the chamber. I'm all right. Okay, well, good old uh, um, Ed Douglas. It was a nice article that I think highlighting a lot of issues that a lot of inexperienced instructors that have that, you know, plague of machismo um, overconfidence, overconfidence, exactly that that get into it for that reason only, right? Um, that, I don't know that, if it's the only reason. I give I give the guys some some you know benefit of the doubt. Like we're assuming a few things too that he's he lacks experience. He lacks a good number of. Dollars. We are assuming that. Yep. And the only reason we're assuming that it's based on his actions, his mentality, and his maturity level. Even though he's 42 years old, but he's approaching this diving, you know, he smokes, he's overweight. He, he isn't really taking diving seriously. But here's my thing with the story. The author does do a nice job of telling a story that is needs to be out there for new divers to see and old divers, all divers to see, people interested in diving, should look at this story because there's lessons to be learned from it. Uh, and he points out some really good lessons, you know, the equipment, the training, the approach to the diving, the instructor-student relationship issues he points out, right? Those are all great points, and that's what should be gleaned from the story. But I think people are taking issue, and I know I take a, a somewhat of an issue with the fact he embellished it, took a little bit too much artistic license with the numbers in particular, which makes you wonder, what else did he embellish? And how true is the story? And if the story's not true... Is the impact, you know, is the lesson to be learned still there? Because if it's a ridiculous story, I don't need to learn a ridiculous, you know, I don't need to learn this lesson because it's ridiculous. Right. Overconfident diver story that's overly embellished just creates an overly ridiculous story that I'm just going to ignore. Exactly. You you lose. You, you lose a little bit of credibility mm -hmm. in, in that respect. And, and then you, you look through, uh, you know, some of the comments on this thing, and, and a lot of people are pointing that out of. Are they? No way. 74 minutes and 100 feet of water on an aluminum 80 planning on doing a 20-minute no decompression mm -hmm. dive. Never going to happen. Yeah. Well, I think you, if you're going to write stories, 
and you're going to throw any any numbers out there, any technical aspect numbers. Not that this is a technical dive per se, but what I'm getting at is if you're going to put data out there, be sure of your data that it's actually, you know, in real life, like it could happen. Otherwise, people pick it apart. I mean, I know us talking our 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 talk here on the podcast will say things and some things are off the top of our head. Maybe our memory's a little cloudy or whatever, but if we're putting any kind of data that can be substantiated, we have to do that fact check before and some of yeah. our stuff ends up on the cutting room floor because our recollection wasn't exactly on. It wasn't dead on. We can't have that. If it's going out to the public, you should be fact checking. So from the comments. Uh oh. This is this is the part of these stories I really love. So the, the people are talking about um you know, some people mentioned that it, it could be based around an event that occurred on a Spiegel Grove. Some people make a mention it could be a, an event that occurred on the Yukon off San Diego there. But there's a lot of people that are like fiction, made yeah, up, just straight up fiction. Bat, yeah. You know, it could have been more realistic if they said the hatch fell on him and trapped him. <laughs> Uh, a shark, a shark nudged the hatch. And, and another, you know, another guy says that, hey, these are just fiction. They're used to make people think. And I, okay, so I get mm-hmm. that, but the numbers don't jive. I was going to say, if you read all the way to the end, or you go to Scuba Diving Magazine, the magazine chimes in and says, Eric Douglas is telling a real story. This is based on a real story. Yes, Eric takes some uh, authors privilege and embellishes a few of the things but the overall story is true the names are changed sometimes the locations are changed but the the story itself the names, is a true story yeah the names are changed to protect the innocent innocent yes leon wait 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 wait, wait. this is from the writers of sharknado they're they're getting brutal they are too, man. That's why you have to watch. That's what I mean. You have to do your fact checking. If you're going to put a story out in public that you want to have a high impact, you're going to shoot yourself in the foot. In other words, you're not going to get your your desired effect if you are blatantly making up things that are impossible to do or, or in the realm of impossibility. So, like we've been talking about, the, you know, this comment says, uh, "How was everyone stuck on the 74 minutes at 105 feet? This was an advanced open water student. He's not even supposed to go that deep." nor is rec penetration allowed for advanced open water students. Awesome instructor. Good the student was smarter. Good that the student was the smarter one in this story. Unfortunately, even if this particular story is fiction, there are instructors out there like this. Oh yeah. And that that's what we've been highlighting from the beginning is you see this guy at you know, you see this guy strutting to and from the, the air shack at every single training quarry in mm-hmm. in the country. That that instructor's quite common and I think that's where the you know, that's where the author was was hitting the nail on the head, portraying the instructor. Obviously, he doesn't know what was in the instructor's mind, so he can't really speak knowledgeable of that unless he talked to the instructor, and the instructor's dead. But he can characterize him because that instructor is out there, and he's he slash she is quite common. And you know when it became quite common? When they made the, the freaking standards, 100 dives and you can become an instructor. A hundred dives. hundred. hundred. And that, that's why you've gotten students who are instructors that have been diving for... A year. Not or even. less, yeah. yeah six months. Even. You know, and I get it. I mean, but if all you're trying to do is, you know, recycle the bare bones minimum garbage of instruction, 
to tourists, mm-hmm. you know, swimming in 20, 30 feet of water and just mass produce that caliber person to do three dives on on holiday mm-hmm. once one time and then that's it okay i get it wow. but that's not what they get with the card no right? it, that card says i'm good to go well what happens james he is so you're the instructor say say i'm an instructor i i got a hundred dives under my belt i went and i do my instructor course pass my ie I get my badge slapped on me. I go back to my dive resort destination, and I'm churning out these uh, open water students based on my 100 dives experience and being able to teach to the bare minimum standards. So say one or two of those hundreds of divers I teach over the years, you know, and tell me if this doesn't happen. You're at a resort dive destination. I mean, people have a few drinks, and they're like, I just want to quit my office job and become a scuba instructor. Look at this guy. He's living the life. Oh, he must just have it made, right? I just finished my resort course. Right. I'm so gonna, I'm going to become got, an instructor. What? I need 100 dives? No problem. I'll I'll do that in a couple of weeks. Let me finish this. I'll enroll tomorrow. Let me finish my, this daiquiri, and we'll go get some tanks. Exactly. We'll get two more in tonight. Well, people, I mean, are we speeding things up? Are we exaggerating a wee bit? I think we're exaggerating a lot less than our author did on this story that we went over. Because people do that. They, well, I don't they, think I don't think we're well, the only ones that, that have this concern. I mean, yeah. I mean, look at um, here's another comment. You know, the, that um, somebody brings up that at least one agency that he knows of uh, allows instructors to self-certify for some specialties with no relevant certification. Just 20, 20 dives in that area. Wreck diving being one of those. Oh, you can become a, and, uh, a wreck diving specialty instructor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, there's at least just, one agency well, that can, I know of that you does can that. Sign your, you can sign yourself off for right. you know, doing those dives mm-hmm. because you've got some experience there. I can, count, I can count how many times I've seen new wreck instructors get halfway through their first class only to discover the line drill requirements and realize they don't have these required skills. Just goes to show you, it's not just your own training you should consider, but the instructor's training and the experience too. And an instructor card might be meaningless, something to keep in mind when you are shopping for a class or going to a new kind of a dive. Very good. Um, And this comment's great, right? He says, uh, this guy says, no need to use poorly written fiction to stimulate divers to think. Plenty of incident reports of real accidents out there to study and learn from, which is where we were kind of starting yeah. from today, which is we were going to hit that Dan incident report, that which obviously Dan we're going to move <laughs> which we're obviously going to move to next to week. jump into next week or the so week after, but we'll get you, into it. I'll yeah. give you a little teaser coming up of, uh, of what we're going to do. We're going to, there's a couple of really cool things in these last couple incident reports that I think you guys will enjoy. Yeah, I think you do have to go to the incident reports. You can't rely on accident forums and things like that, and we've pointed this out as well. They become a, either a, a shitstorm of you know insults being slung back and forth or the, nobody's allowed to hypothesize anything because we don't want to say anything bad about the person, and he died doing something he loved, and my condolences to the family. We could never understand what he's going through, et cetera, et cetera. So n- nothing happens in, in the way of let's look at this. Let's look at this incident and see if we well, can learn in, from in it. Well, in this incident, I, th- I think the author did a pretty good job. Oh well, yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, you but know, I think this is beating him up a little bit for uh, for the mistakes that he made. Uh, well, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say I wonder if if it's truly based on one of these Yukon or uh, Spiegel Grove accidents. Let's go onto the boards and research this and see when it happened, 
And let's see what happened when the accident was posted. I'm going to go out on a limb. Nothing happened. The same thing I'm talking about happened. They said, oh, there was an accident. People go, well, what happened? Well, somebody died in a shipwreck. He got he was inside of a shipwreck and drowned. He's an instructor. Well, what other circumstances? Don't expose anything. We aren't even going to guess what the he circumstances. He was a good guy. We don't know the circumstances. We don't know the circumstances, so we can't guess what they are. Just know he died doing something he loved. Our condolences to the family. It's a terrible tragedy. But what happened? Did he was he doing this? Don't don't ask if he's doing that because now you're painting him in a bad light. Well, I think we can look at this incident and paint him in a pretty ridiculous light. He he acted horribly. He acted poorly as an instructor. In I'm going to just say in, it out there. A, I mean, well, it doesn't yeah, mean he's a horrible person. He doesn't mean he's an inhumane Adolf Hitler. Whatever you want, you know. We what's that old internet rule when it goes to Adolf Hitler? <laughs> right. It doesn't mean it's that. It means as an instructor that he made a lot of poor decisions. Pretty much every 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 decision you could make, he did the opposite. Yeah, exactly. So, so the, this, so the article, the magazine, you know, needs to to put out stuff, and they've got this lessons learned section. So, it was well done for getting people to think. And I hope I hope you know people walk away going, "Hey, wreck diving sounds cool." It's more than just buying a sweet reel. It's having the the appropriate tools beyond that reel that I possess within my own ability, and I I'm gonna have that reel as the backup. Or James, I'm gonna, or because the author took too many liberties with the truth, that people go, oh, this story isn't even true. So the next time they're in the opportunity, you know, they have the opportunity to penetrate a shipwreck. Here's what goes through their mind. Well, they're trying to exaggerate a story so we don't go inside there. But the story is ridiculous, and that won't happen to me. The story is ridiculous is the problem. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I get you. I get you. And that's the downside of embellishing it to that degree is people don't take it seriously, so it won't happen to them. Well, maybe in next month's magazine there'll be a retraction that says, well, the student was actually you know, bailed at 25 minutes Mm -hmm. into the dive, Mm -hmm. and it you know, Leon was down for a total of 74. Yes, maybe, but damage yeah. is done. It's just like a newspaper report. Yeah, nobody, the nobody newspapers, reads that especially retraction. nowadays, they'll, you're guilty. They, they just put it out there. So and so did this. Well, you come to find out so and so did not do anything like that. And they'll come out two weeks later. And in the middle of the newspaper, there's a little one inch square that says, We're sorry. We, we posted as a headline so and so raped his babies. But. Nah, turns we, out our source would, was incorrect. Turns out he was just making a... He, <laughs> he was, was just going the, to church that turns day. Turns out he was in a drive-thru <laughs> at McDonald's. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, now you see what we're talking about. This is the problem. I mean, the media itself has run into is nobody takes them seriously. You can't because once you're caught in a lie, it's hard to regain credibility. And yeah. that the lessons learned or the information given is just shrugged off. You know what? What part of it? Do you, this is the problem yeah, I have with Santa is, Claus with my the, kids. Well, this is the like, this is if you're going to lie to me about why, that. And this is why people turn to podcasts for their information. <laughs> exactly. Well, at least the podcast people are out there putting themselves. I think we hold ourselves a little more responsible or to a higher degree of authenticity than a lot of so-called professional. Well, I, I try journalists. to think I do because I know I'm going to. I know, I know there's a lot of listeners that, that I personally know that I'm yeah. going to see at the dive site one of these days. Exactly. You have uh, personal accountability face-to-face when you meet these people. Yeah. Good point, Jamesy. Well, hey, that was a great dive for me. Not so much for Leon, but oh, I, Leon. I had a great dive on that one. 
Let's uh, have a moment of silence for Leon. <laughs> At least oh. he died doing something he loved. And uh, my condolences. Oh. It's a tragedy. And uh, yeah, let's move on. That was a good dive, though, Jamesy. Good, good dive. Great dive. I mean, yeah, those are great. That was a that was a great dive, uh, and it's a, a, a fun way to wrap up. So, on that note, Brando. Well, uh, let's just say thanks to our Patreon guys. Oh Thank yeah, you. thanks Bravo. to the Patreon guys. Uh, much appreciated. As we uh, as we approach our first year yes. of uh, of finishing up this podcast, it's coming for a quick. full year. It's coming quick. Yeah. Uh, we'd like to say that huge, huge thank you to everybody who's given us anything on uh on patreon i mean some of you guys you know have gone above and beyond above and beyond we really really appreciate it especially as brando finishes the accounting for the year yes (laughs) that's a big negative number well we have that one guy well we had we had a budget to start the show and we've blown through that what five or six times (laughs) i don't even why we why did we even we knew well, that we, that budget meant right. nothing. It was so an imaginary we've, we've number that was going to be. <laughs> we've blown through the budget yeah. nearly tenfold, yeah, which but, is fine. But we found that we are having way more fun doing yeah. this. Yeah. Uh, those of you guys who who've thrown out some money on Patreon have just made that a little bit easier for us to be able to afford the the little things that we're we're doing. We do have some big plans for for next year, and um, I hope you guys uh, continue to give support. Hope uh, the word gets out there. Um, you know, so share this with your friends. Uh, we really appreciate it. It's amazing to see you know, where people are listening to us anymore. Um, I put I, a Madagascar uh, out today. I, I saw, that. saw that. Yeah, I, but I, I want to say like um, Japan. We've got uh, some uh, you know a, a big turnout you know recently of uh, listeners in Japan. So arigato, arigato gozaimasu. But uh, yeah, Tokyo and uh, the, the Fort Wayne crew, you know, uh, that keeps popping up as uh, top yes. top listening mm-hmm. cities. Uh, really appreciate you guys out there. Uh, thanks for everything. And on that note, here's uh, here's my logbook if you'll sign it. And my pleasure. And uh, let me do yours here. I'm gonna get well soon. Okay. Love. See you next week. Safe diving, folks. and drink mixed drinks on the beach. Blue, blue, blue.